Hi, this is Stephen Williams from Supernatural and a whole bunch of other stuff, and you're watching Sci-Fi Saturday Night. Tune in. We will begin a mass invasion. We'll tell your people to surrender now and avoid war. It is now time for us to put Earth under our roof. It's your sacred duty to tell us the truth. Confess, confess, and we will give you witchcraft. You expect me to believe that you can overrun the entire world? We cannot be defeated. We have never been defeated. That is the message to bring your people. Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Side by Saturday night. From behind a slushy mound beside a snow drift in Area 51, welcome, welcome, blah, blah, blah. welcome to TalkCast 374. Just another reason to click on our website for the next edition of Sci-Fi Saturday Night or the Apple Podcast app or Stitcher or by holding up a finger and praying. Tonight, with no additional polymers, I am your host, The Dome. Joining the TalkCast tonight, the rest of the gang in the Peabody Time Tunnel our violent virtuoso and taciturn technical trouble wrangler, Kriana, at the audio board. <laughs> that, there it is. And she's back in the stacks of the Dank Dungeons clandestine reference room, found behind the southwest entrance of the former San Joaquin Valley Reference Library building at Cyborg University's satellite campus in Detox City, Nevada. Welcome, Zombrarian. Yeah, that's kind of how I feel, too. <laughs> yeah. Toxic fumes all up in my house. Oh, no. Well, we'll do the best we can. We'll carry on because carrying carries on. Introducing a man who was recently heard to say, hey, sparrows are like hellspawn. They both breathe jello and like infomercials, right? It's the man who always confused cornstarch with silly putty which makes for very awkward quiches. He's our own very old futuristic gamer, the guy who likes really shiny stuff awake by Java. I've stunned him. Java That's the jump. mute button. <laughs> Java Wait. pulled a Zombrarian. <laughs> That's been a while since we've done that one. So can yeah, uh, well, uh, yeah, I'm I'm out of practice with the whole muting thing. I You're was going to make... say we do this thing at the beginning of every show where Dome introduces us, and then we theoretically <laughs> say something pithy. Yeah, well, I said something about silly putty that now doesn't doesn't really work anymore. Yeah, it's too late. You've lost it. We Get lost out! It. Get uh, out of my podcast. So long. So Java, what's going on? Uh, new new things going on with the uh, 3D printer, or are you planning? Uh, yeah, uh, yeah. I uh, it, I don't. I hate it less. Oh, that that's a good less. thing. Well, you know, like think about how annoying it is to even get something printed on paper. Oh, when it doesn't want to print, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's, it's like super annoying and we've been doing that for like 60 years or something like mm -hmm. that like <laughs> home publishing messing with a 3d printer is like it's just so fiddly it's a fiddly 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 fee anyway i, I did learn how to flat uh, to, to to program a bootloader onto a melty board using an arduino that was fun um, that was a lot of gobbledygook to me. Thank yeah. you. So that was fun. I did that. I learned that. And now I'm done with that. And I will never do it again. You'll never do it again. Ever. Yeah, that's that's what everybody says at the end of the hearing when they're in front of the judge. I'll never do it again. <laughs> yes. <laughs> you know, we've been talking for the past couple of couple of years actually about <clears throat> the effect of the 
large inflatable convention over three days in big cities costing lots of money versus the microcons that have been popping up all over the place, some of which have been around now for a couple of years and are doing quite well on their own. Tonight, uh, we're going to bring in uh, Keith Gleason and the Plastic Ono Band. I mean, uh, from Plastic City Comic Con. Keith, welcome to the show, my friend. Hey, thanks for having me, guys. <laughs> now, you, but, you know, just just for means of, of, of clarification, Keith and I have known each other for a long time. Uh, yeah. we've, been go, we've, we've been con buddies uh, for almost 10 years, if not longer. It has to be at least at least 10 years, maybe and more. I mean, yeah, definitely. We've, we've been, you know, yeah. talking about doing things together and working together. And, and, and then when Plastic City Comic Con opened three years ago, God, was it really three years yeah. ago? Yeah, this is our third year. <laughs> and it was in a little, uh, was it VFW hall or something that first year? Yeah, yeah. A little, like, just, uh, you know, where they have, like, a wedding reception, you know? And, basically. and. Everybody, every person who attended had nothing but great things to say about it. And interestingly, all the artists and, and writers and vendors who were there just kind of went, what a refreshing change. This is a great idea. And actually, Plastic City was kind of at the forefront of bringing back these one-day small conventions, not necessarily in big cities, to just kind of get back to the closeness of being right with the audience, right with the attendees. Uh, no major uh, um, television movie star kind of deals. And just kind of keeping all the costs in, into a very reasonable, reasonable area. Um, and that, would, that worked out so well that the second year you moved to the Wallace Civic Center. That's correct, yeah. And in Fitchburg, Mass. And yeah. the Wallace Civic Center was about, I don't know, maybe five times the size of the first one? Yeah, e easily. Maybe even more. Because it's like a whole, um, like a hockey arena, you know, versus like a small VFW hall, you know? <laughs> but I mean, and the good news was... The entrance fee remained the same. There was free parking. Uh, well, oh, I'm sorry, well, go ahead. We, 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 the first year, I was able to deliver, like, free admission, you know, because like, right. I was able to pay for the place and some of our advertising with just the vendor tables, which was great. Wow. Um, the second year, and the second year, I... I charge two dollars um just because you know it was a little more uh, holy crap you've doubled it this year with. you've more than doubled it it's an outrageous <laughs> entrance fee for people coming it's five dollars <laughs> for the entire freaking day with free parking yep. <laughs> and to tell you the truth the only reason i went up to five dollars i could have kept it at two because um the the rent you know the, the the civic center didn't raise my rent at all which is great but the reason I bumped it up to five is because, like last year, I—I I mean, I must have been—I must have gone to the bank like forty times that day just getting funds because we had so many people coming through that, like, I would go get like three hundred dollars worth of ones within an hour. <laughs> I was going more, and I was like, "Oh my god!" Now I know why people don't—you know—they charge up, you know, they round up. You know, so I was like, uh, you know, so that's why I did it, really. It just to save myself a lot of traveling. <laughs> Plus, the banks are getting so mad at me in the local area. You know, I'm sure they just love their it, yeah. <laughs> You know, so that's the only, it's honestly the only reason I went up to five. But I figured, like, nowadays, it's like five dollars is really nothing to people, you know, so. Well, you know, it's, it's nothing when you consider where you're at you're right. you're in the middle of Fitchburg you've got 
free parking all over the place. Yeah. You've got fairly inexpensive restaurants all over the place. Yeah. And it's and and kids under twelve, by the way, are free. Twelve and under. Man, right. you're making it really hard to like demonstrate that I'm part of the one percent. <laughs> I mean, well, you can demonstrate it with the with uh, when you spend the money with the vendors that we have, you know. <laughs> but the, the thing, the thing that with the larger conventions is because they're in the cities. For small artists, uh, small publishers, uh, newer publishers, and, and artists, that just. The cost to get there and get started is so expensive. If you've got travel and you've got hotels in 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 Boston or in New York or, or in Providence, and you've got you know table fees for a three day affair, uh, that's a lot of money. Oh yeah, and it's also like even if you, even if you break it down to the daily rates, it still doesn't make sense, you know. It's just, uh, yeah. I mean, I mean, I know you guys have probably, uh, you know, talked about this subject forever. But yeah, it's just the the big shows are just, you know, if you're an artist and you know you're just selling prints and like comics, it's like you're lucky if you even break even. You know, like most of the time you're losing money at the tables at those shows. You know. But the interesting thing interesting thing is, in the three years since you started off at that VFW hall, there have been a ton of small one-day cons popping up all over New England, Vermont, Maine, Massachusetts, New Hampshire, uh, just literally... Uh, in April and May, there's one every every weekend or every other weekend. Yeah, it's crazy because like I I thought like all those shows disappeared. Like you had you didn't see them at all, and you know, and, uh, you know, I think people like I think not to go to these shows anymore. That's like a whole audience that. There's, I think there's a couple audiences for cons and just cons in general, you know. And there's always people that I think what's missing in the big shows now is that you don't see these guys coming in with their like log boxes or their their back issue lists, you know, to buy stuff, you know, because there's not really any comics shows either, you know. Well, the, the other thing too is. How can they afford it at that at that? Yeah, that's point? if you break down like Rhode Island or Boston, right, for like a day, say you're like four, you got two kids. The entrance fee right there is what at least one hundred and fifty, right? It's fifty for per parent, and then maybe twenty five per kid. And then after you after you park, you already have two hundred bucks before yeah. you even buy anything. It's like yeah. and if you, God forbid, you get it, you're getting an autograph from like a William Shatner or something. And, you know, <laughs> there's another, another couple hundred, two hundred. Right, exactly. It's like it's like unless you save it up, like like for like people save up for a vacation to go to these cons. I just, you know, it's just that doesn't make any sense anymore. You know. No, which is uh, which is why these things are are working beautifully, and and yeah, even though there's one like every weekend or every other weekend, um, the rates are not outrageous for the artists. It's a one day travel in travel out, so there's no like a layover costs, right. and the admission price for the guests is not so much that it's taking people out of the game. Right. And, and you know what? And it's finding that people are having a great time, even without all the, you know, all the, the whistles and bells of these bigger cons, you know? Cause the other thing we don't have, and 
you know, we don't have panels. I, I would have panels at the show, but we just don't have any place to do them. You know, I was going to try to do it last year, but as I was looking at everything, I was like, there's just no way we could do that. There's no good area, you know? Yeah. Um, and so we don't do panels and, you know, um, we, we're, we're trying to, we started last year with like, we had like a wrestler, we had Tony Atlas there and then we, you know, we have like one big comic guest as well. So we're trying right. to keep in that formula, like where you get one, one actor or one wrestler or something. And then, you know, one big comic guest and then fill the rest of the show with, you know, local artists, writers, crafters, uh, podcasts, you know, and then vendors of comics and, you know, back issues and everything else of prints, you know, things like that, toys, you know, um, but yeah, so that's sort of our formula and that's what we're trying to stick to. Everyone kind of keeps coming up to me and says, you know, oh, you guys are going to get so big and this and that. It's like, only if you, only if I allow it, you know what I mean? Like uh, when you come to the show this year and you see, you see how big, you know, how it is, how big we've gotten, that's, that's where we're stopping, you know? So it's like, it's never going to be like this. You know, it's never going to be like the Rhode Island mentality where, like, every year you're going to you're going to top yourself. You know, <laughs> yeah. And, and Boston ended up doing the and, same you know. thing. Well, all the all the yeah. big ones do that. They're constantly, you know, we've got to be bigger and better than we were the year before. Yeah, exactly. And like everyone's constantly saying, you got to go to two days. You got to go to twice a year. And I'm like, no, that's that's not why this works. Like, we just do it one day a year. And then that one day we promote like crazy so that we have a really good one day, you know, but if you, if you dilute it, it's just going to turn into everything else. You know what I mean? So it's like, that's where I'm, I'm trying to, you know, you, it's like, I think what happens with people is they get greedy. Like if they have a successful show and then like, Oh, I gotta make it even bigger and better next year. You know? And I think that's where some of these shows are going, you know? or the mentality behind it. But if you keep your head about it, I think, you know, you can keep a reasonably level show and people will still come, you know, just to make it exciting. And, you know, now, now one of the things that, that brought you to doing this was you selling your own, uh, uh, line, uh, which includes, uh, hero envy and, uh, reckless chronicles and all kinds of, and oh, by the way, Swamp Tales, which I kind of like a lot. <laughs> Just saying. Oh, thanks. Uh, yeah, that one's sort of like the humor book, you know. <laughs> it's it's kind of um, you know it's very different from anything else you've done, and it's fun. So you know, in, in watching, you know, each of us watching the other through these years of being at cons together, and you know, the the independent artists and the independent comic people you know, struggling to maintain a presence at the larger conventions, uh, at a small convention, it, you're right up there with them. And that makes a difference. Yeah, I, I think so. And, it, and I think people knowing, you know, knowing us from, you know, me and my wife for all those years being in artist alley, there's a trust there too. You know, like they're like, Oh, you know, like, um, that first year, like, well, you know how, like with first year cons, it's got like a bad stigmata on it. But when I, when I did the first year show, because, you know, me and, me and Amy have been around and we know people like almost everybody just signed up, you know, sight unseen, basically, you know, like guys like Joe St. Pierre, which I, you must know Joe, right? Oh, yeah. 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 Yeah guys like him that just said yes instantly because they know us and you know they you know you know it's like oh it's a first year show but i know keith you know do a good job so like they just showed up out of you know well i guess loyalty to us and uh and they were re rewarded because he had such a fabulous first year you know so like um and i think that's why that everyone's coming back and now the word is out of how good plastic city is so I, um, and I think that's part of it too, is we try to, 
my philosophy going into this was to always take care of both sides of the table to, you know, to be, to give vendors a reasonable price to show up and then also <clears throat> make a reasonable price for the content, you know, with without naming other conventions, because we've both been to them. There are enough other places where we've been, where they don't take care of both sides of the table. Exactly. You know, it's like, you feel that at bigger shows like that. Like I, I didn't go to Fan Expo when when they took over Boston, but I, I got that feeling from them instantly. As soon as they they uh, kicked Jimmy out and you know they kind of took over, I was just like, eh, you know, bad feeling. I get the the very cold corporate, you know, corporate well, the, America. Kind all of all of the show. bigger conventions have become very corporate. New York was always that way. Uh, San yeah, Diego yep. has been that way as long as I've known it. And, I mean, it was only a matter of time before, you know, Boston evolved into that, Rhode Island evolved into that, all because they're just big and they 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 grow. And as they grow, they become uh, more of a, a multifunction group as opposed to a comic con. And... What what the small cons do and do very well is bridge the gap between the artist and the entrant, between the writer and, and the, the consumer, so that it, it was yeah. like it was when we started out, when, when I was a younger dome and, and went to conventions. <laughs> You know, long before yep, and, uh, Saturday night, it was great. It was that that to me was the most fun, and that's why I, I, I'm really enjoying these 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 smaller conventions. Yeah, and you can find. And the thing is, I miss from the bigger shows too. Is it's hard, a lot harder to find, uh, you know, like artists that come because they have to make their cable back now. You know, they 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 end up selling a lot a lot of prints and, you know, artwork, which is okay. Um, but I miss like seeing like artists coming up with original comics that they make and, you know, and you don't see them as much as their tables because they have to surround it with the, the higher selling prints and commissions and things like that. So it's nice when they come to our show, you can get, you know, you can find some, gems, you know, like comics that people, because I, I, that's the stuff I like to find at shows, you know. Somebody who poured their heart and soul into a story or, you know, that kind and of then, thing. Yeah, so, yeah, absolutely. Those those are the best finds you can get. Yeah. And, and, I, then, uh, and I hope that now, if I don't have to go to the bank every hour, <laughs> I hope <laughs> I actually walk around and actually do some shopping at my show. <laughs> you know? That'd be nice if you could actually enjoy your own show. But, you know, yeah. that never actually works out that way, unfortunately. No, it doesn't. Like, last year, like, we we had our booth set up at the upstairs, and I was like, ah, I probably shouldn't do this anymore because it's like it's just there's too much going on, you know. We're trying to run a convention and then also our booth at the same time. So it's like I figured, like, that'll be the one show that I don't uh, exhibit at, you know. Yeah, but I'm going to try to hit up. Uh, some of the other shows that I've you know, picked up this year, I actually want to court too because I like, you know, I mm -hmm. like the small mentality myself. And like you said, you, you happen to notice this year there's just so many more one day shows and with lower admission. I love it. So it's I love wonderful. seeing that. Now, the other yep. thing that you did that I thought was kind of really cool is that you ran a Kickstarter about four months back. Uh, to help uh, put funding together, I guess, for the convention called the Mighty Mascots. Uh, well, actually, that was for my, um, it was for the um, comic book that a new series I'm working on. And uh, usually I, I hate Kickstarter because it's like, <laughs> it's like, uh, it's nerve wracking, you know, I don't know if you guys oh, have run a Kickstarter. It's the best slash worst. There's no question about yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Um, so I've only, you know, I only did one for the hero and be trained back in the day. So 
the Mighty Mascots was only was my second Kickstarter. And the only reason I did it is because I was kind of unemployed at the moment. So, and I was mm-hmm. trying to keep the comic book going. So I was like, oh, I, I got to do a Kickstarter to do it. So, but uh, yeah, that comic is uh, it's a three-issue miniseries I'm working on. And, and it's about um, it's a serial mascot. Uh, they become like a superhero team, basically. And uh, they fight like other evil mascots, basically. <laughs> and um, I had pitched it originally to Alterna Comics. Do you know Alterna Comics? Yeah. Yeah, I pitched it to them. And um, they liked the concept, but they wanted me to uh, do a few changes and... and, and um, and it was all like good changes. It was like stuff I wanted to do with the series anyway. So that's where I'm at with the Kickstarter. So hopefully if everything goes well, we'll, we'll have it coming out through Alterna, which will be great. Cause I really like what those guys are doing too. That's terrific. You know, so. And the, yeah, news, so. the Kickstarter actually went and, and didn't yep. fail as about 50 to 60% of them do. Because now, yeah, if, if you look, yeah, but if you look, realize that there are so many comics out there now on Kickstarter, so many publishing things, so many movie things that it, it's just overload to some degree. And yet, yeah, there's so much noise. Like, because, like, I, I hadn't run a Kickstarter in like five years, and the difference between five years ago versus today it's so different. Like, I mean, you're constantly bombarded with like people that want to help you market it. Like, Oh, uh, it's just, it's Oh yeah. Isn't that fun? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's like all this stuff. And it was just like, Oh, Hey, I want to help you. You know? And like, yeah, yeah. I want to help so you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And, and I mean, you well, ran it for exactly. 30 days and you got, you got past your goal. So, you know, good job with that. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, it was a tough battle like every other Kickstarter, you know. But uh, yeah, we definitely made it, which was great. And I think, well, I think it helps too that the I got a pretty good artist, and I think people saw the art and they were like, "Oh, this is gonna be great," you know. And so I think, yeah, it was pretty easy. Plus, I I went with uh, the bare minimum money I needed, so like instead right. of going with a higher goal, you know. So I think that all factored in worked out well you know so yeah i'm chugging along trying to get that finished in the next month and then we'll see what happens from there you know Look, let's keep doing all the convention stuff <laughs> yeah i was gonna say this is a bad time of year to be putting it together because con season is about to start uh, yeah and it's, it's coming up quicker than i thought it was going to <laughs> yeah it's almost like every night i divide my time like oh tonight i'm gonna work on the comic tomorrow night i'll work on the convention you know so it's like my week is kindly always kind of back, bouncing back and forth between the both of them you know i i'm looking at uh your guest list for the con yeah and uh, it's a nice mix of artists uh, writers, um, yep. resellers, and, and yep. you've got some really fun guys along the way. And wh- what are you looking forward to most of all? W- w- let's put it this way. When, when you put out the page and you said, uh, yeah, here's, here's, here's the form you fill out. Which one did you look at when it came in and went, Oh wow. They're going to be here. Oh, geez. <laughs> Um, there was quite a few, actually. Um, I think I was more surprised by, probably by more by the retailers than actually the artists and writers. Um, like that's entertainment would really surprise me because they never do shows. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's like guys like them, um, Harrison's was, uh, was huge. They wanted three tables. Um, uh, rubber chicken is they've never done our show. They, they jumped on it this year. Uh, uh, yeah. And as far like stores as far out as in Somerville, like kamikaze, they want to do the show. And so that to me was like huge, you know, like that the retailers want to come 
and because uh, you don't see a see a lot of them. You don't well, you don't see that many of them at the bigger shows. You might see one or two of them, but there's probably you know not a lot of shows where you see all these guys at. You know what I mean? Yeah, and I mean it's it's nice having the local retailers there. That's the yeah, cool definitely. Thing. I mean, you know, anybody can, you know, if your con's big enough, you can get any national retailer to come in. But I can't tell you how many times I, I really, really want to see a Ford uh, Explorer uh, on the back wall. Uh, <laughs> Why? Yeah, I know, right? I know. That's, that's the stuff we want to stay keep out of the show, you know. And I've actually turned down a lot of things, too, that, that – um, want to come to our show like that like uh i don't know you know they had like siding guys and like solar panel people <laughs> that that want to get booths and i'm like no i mean like and i always say to them the same thing like what's that got to do with comics you know and it's like so you know i'm not desperate to sell these tables so it's like guys like that i can just turn down you know it's just want to keep it you know comics the only thing I kind of let in that I thought was okay was the Wild Bill Soda guy. I mean, you've probably seen him at shows before. Yeah. Those are the guys that sell, like, those cups and they have the soda. And I was like, right. yeah, okay. You know, that they're selling some people. It helps keep people around. They refill their drinks, you know. I figured that's something that, you know, it's food-related. It's not, like, a big, you know what I mean? So I kept them. Um I guess I could tell you guys uh, the two guests we have coming, the big ones. Um, oh, please do. Yeah, yeah. So the celebrity side, we were able to get uh, Corin Nemec this year. I don't know if you know who Corin Nemec is. Help me out. Okay. Uh, he's pr- famous probably for a couple things. Probably the biggest one was he was the, the lead star in Parker Lewis Can't Lose, which was a... Uh, kind of like a Ferris Bueller um, right. sitcom ripoff on Fox back in the 90s. Um, he was also in the Stephen King's The Stand miniseries back then. And, and then he's he's also was in the first couple of seasons of Stargate SG-1. And I guess he had a, a pretty, pretty good arc on Supernatural too. So those are like the four big things he's really known for. But uh, people tell me he's great with fans and that uh, Wait, he's one of those guys that. Um, he that? was uh, Chris, I, think, I think it was like Christian Kane or something is the name of it, his acting okay. or his character. Do you know who I I'm think I know about? who that is. Yeah, I think I know. Yeah, he was on like four or five episodes or something like that. That sound, sound uh, familiar? Yes. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm looking him up so now, and our, I'm going, "Yeah, I know who this is." Okay, cool. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he's our, our celebrity guy, and uh, we we kind of found out about him because one of the the guests that's coming, uh, she's an author. She was telling me, "Oh, you should try to get Corin Nemec," and I was like, "Who?" <laughs> and then um, she's like, so she contacted him on Twitter and asked him if he'd come to the show. And then he started talking to us and then, you know, we started, you know, working out a deal and I was able to get him to come to the show for a fairly reasonable price. So I was nice. like, okay. Yeah. So it's like, that'll just help, you know? And then, uh, our big comic guest this year is going to be writer J.M. Demetrius or Demetrius. I think, I don't know which, how you show that pronouncing. He's the writer of, um, his big claim to fame was Craven's Last Hunt from Spider-Man. I'm sure you're familiar with that that popular storyline. He also wrote Justice League International, which oh, was like okay. in, the, in the in the 80s when uh when they made the Justice League kind of like a comedy. He did that. Uh, he he's working on in, in current comics. He works on that Scooby Apocalypse, which is like the kind of like the the update of Scooby-Doo. I don't know if you've seen that comic. No. <laughs> yeah. He's also right. What was that? Scooby-Doo Apocalypse? Yeah. It's like, um, you know, I don't know if you saw like DC comics is doing like, uh, 
they're taking a lot of a Hanna-Barbera properties and like updating them for comic books. Like they did like, like a whole thing with uh, all the Hanna-Barbera's world of super adventure. And then like they did yeah, wacky they do a, jet, uh, a Flintstones thing at one point. Yeah. 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 That's the one. Yeah. So there's a Scooby-Doo one called Scooby apocalypse and it's, and he's the writer of that. And then he also, he, he also writes a lot of the cartoons. Like he wrote a lot of justice league unlimited. He wrote, um, he wrote, um, uh, Batman brave and the bold. He wrote like a couple of the DC animated movies, like Batman, bad blood and justice league gods and monsters. So he's got a pretty good pedigree. Very cool. He's worked on a lot of, uh, a lot of, uh, a lot of big comics. So, and uh, he's excited to come to the show. And I told him he'd be the guest of honor and stuff. So, and we got him at a pretty good price too. So, yeah, so I'm pretty happy with the guests this year. So there are two big ones. Excellent. And, and, uh, yeah, so it's kind of just like, uh, you know, we have some mid-level guys like Joe St. Pierre and Rich Woodall and all those guys. And then we have like a lot of the local Mm -hmm. the local artists and writers. So yeah, it's going to be awesome. I can't wait. Plus we added table this year too. So that's, that's huge. Yeah. And, and, and if you, you drop by and you have to see the big banner with the brain in a jar, come, come to the uh, sci-fi Saturday night uh, table and say hi to all of us. Cause we're yeah, going to be definitely. there too. Yep. And uh, we added, uh, I think we have a total now of like a hundred and, 30 something tables, something wow. like that. Yeah, so that's we're probably a uh, pretty damn pretty cool to be honest. Solid mid sized con with a low sized con mentality, you know? <laughs> and so I mean, I the trick is to find time. that balance. That's, yes, that's the whole It is. Trick and here. it's like to think, I think, I think what you people just got to, you know, look at it. Like, I'm coming at it as, like, I just want to. I'm not coming at it like um, making it about the money for me. So I think that's might be the difference is like, I want to put on a good show versus I want to versus making a ton of money, you know, like I'm not doing it for a cash grab. So I think that might be the difference in mentality, I guess, you know, I think it is so, to be honest with you. I, I yeah, think like the reality is, you know, a bunch of us have been sitting around at these larger conventions talking to each other over $9 hot dogs and, and $7 cans of soda saying, you know, we should be doing a smaller show somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's the other thing too. The snack bar there, all the prices are reasonable. I think you get like a hot dog for two bucks or less and, you know, soda for a buck. So it's all reasonably price things all across the board you know so that's the thing like that's and i think that's why like i don't see like i was talking about alterna comics earlier too same thing with that company is like they went back to making comic books on newsprint so mm -hmm. that they can get the cover price down to a dollar fifty it's like that's the kind of thing that i think you know people are looking for they're looking for a little bit cheaper you know entertainment where you're not losing a lot from it you know what i mean you're not losing a noticeable drop in quality either right you know? but but so, you're able to you're, you're able to walk through the aisles at plastic city and realize that you haven't spent all your money on entrance fees and parking and that you can actually Spend some time some talking stuff. to artists, talking to writers, buying their books, buying their prints, uh, looking yep. at, at vendors that are really there because they want to meet their local people because they're local vendors and they're bringing yep. in all kinds of special stuff as well. Um, and, and it's funny because I'm looking at the vendor list and I'm going, yeah, I know these guys. Yeah, I know these guys. Yeah, I know these guys. And they're all, you know the ones that every year we, we, we always talk to and see and go, well, yeah, I wish the aisles weren't jammed so tight that people could actually stop and look. 
Yeah, that's the other thing, too. Yeah, make the aisles bigger. And then, like, you know, because we don't have panels and everything, you know, it's like you come in, you go, you walk around for an hour or two, and then if you want, you leave, you know, and you, did, you don't feel like you've been cheated, you don't, you know what I mean? So it's like. And if you show up at 10 uh, o'clock when the door's open, you don't have to hang around until 4 o'clock for the panel. Right, exactly, exactly. If you just want to walk around and, you know, you, you walk the floor four times already and, and you just want to, or grab some lunch and then go back, you know? That's it. You know, you know, I could sit here and and make, you know, sit here and read off the list of everybody who's going to be there, but everybody else gets pissed off when I do that. So I'm going to provide a (laughs) link. uh, So listeners can can just kind of pretty long. (laughs) Look at the website, see where it's at. Google map it right from the website. Uh, Take a look at who's going to be there. Uh, There are some, Wonderful artists, some wonderful writers, some uh, incredibly cool vendors, and it's a nice, relaxing April Saturday uh, to yep. sit and relax and enjoy. It is April 21st at the Wallace Civic Center in Fitchburg. Kids 12 and under are free. The entrance fee is a ridiculously expensive five bucks. The guy behind this, and uh, I'm really, really proud to say he's a friend of mine, and I've known him for years, Keith Gleason. Keith, thank you so much for joining us, man. It was a pleasure talking to you. Yeah, anytime. Uh, Thanks for having me on the show, as always. I always love to come on and catch up, and and I'm sure we'll catch up in uh, April, too. I was going to say, and we'll see you in April. And I'm sure I'll, I'll probably see you guys at some of these other local small shows, too, I'm assuming. And if we're not going to have a table there, we'll probably bump into each other for sure. Absolutely. Uh, definitely. <laughs> All, right. All right. Well, thank you guys for uh, having me. Appreciate it. Oh, uh, you're very welcome. Hey, Kriana. Right, we'll have a... Yeah. Kriana, do we have any news? Or Zombra? Ah! Back with Zombrarian and Java. Hey, guys. Hi. <laughs> uh, anything we want to talk about this afternoon, this evening? Oh, oh, oh. You remember how I think it was two weeks ago now because last week I got stuck in traffic and didn't get home until super right. late. Um, so I said... I will watch Altered Carbon, and then we can talk about it. Right. Did you guys talk about it last week while I wasn't here? I did not. (gasps) You want to talk about it today? Yes. I have feelings, feelings and my feelings are very mixed. That makes sense. I would tend to agree with that, yeah. I haven't finished it, but I've seen a few episodes now, so... Here is the best part about Altered Carbon. Yes. He walks around with a My Little Unicorn backpack full of Right? That's amazing. And he doesn't abandon it. Like, he sticks with that backpack all the way through. Yeah, he holds on to him. It is that thing that makes me want to cosplay as him. And I actually found the backpack on which that is probably built. I think you could I think you could pull that that cosplay off. Yeah, well, I, I have to get a haircut, but um yeah, yeah. I am pretty I'm pretty excited about the possibility of that because it's really just a trench coat and a pensive look and a backpack. And my little unicorn backpack. Yeah. <laughs> and you know, people are going to be like, "So are you the doctor or Castiel <laughs> or the guy from Altered Carbon?" <laughs> And well, it will be a question. When it when it comes right down to it, I, I think that it's a kind of interesting. I mean, we're seeing more and more cyberpunk stuff yeah. come through the zeitgeist. And I think that that says something about where we are right now as a society. society yeah. Um, I'm not, not going to disagree with that either. Uh, I... It's interesting. It really is because it mimics, you know, the, the late 70s, early 80s um, quite nicely. Can I 
can I? S- I have ahead. two things. Sure, go ahead. Um, the second one is going to is a little bit harder to parse out, and like we'll probably talk about it for a while. Okay. So I'll do the first one first. Ha! How that works. Um, <laughs> so I was watching the first episode, yep. and I was like, "Man, this is like backwards dollhouse," because instead of different personalities going into the same body over and over again. It's one personality going into different bodies over and over again. And I didn't just give you any spoilers. That is the premise of the no, show. No, you're fine. Um, you're good. And then, lo and behold, it was like Dollhouse cast reunion on yep. Altered Carbon <laughs> episode one. The yeah, only... The only- the only uh, notable absence being Elijah Dushku. Which I am sad about because yeah. I have had a huge crush on her since I was like 13 Those eyebrows, years man. old. Those eyebrows. Oh my gosh, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> don't, don't say that. What? Don't say what? Was, oh my gosh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Kriana just texted me and said, ew. I don't know. <laughs> Oh, she's talking to me. She's mad at me because she thinks <laughs> that Eliza Dushku is gross. <laughs> and I disagree with her. I, act- I actually remember that. Okay. Um, yeah, I, I, you're right. Like, it was it was very interesting. Um, we could talk about Dollhouse for a long time, too, probably. We but um, yeah. the, the, the thing that I thought was really interesting about that whole premise is it's, it's, it's nothing new. You know, it's pretty established... Um, genre cyberpunk stuff yeah, yeah. but it's, it's mainstream almost you know the the one of the things that i really liked about it is there wasn't a lot of backstory there was just hey this is how the world is let's go right and they they you know they they did the if you need something explained it'll be explained as we go along but i'm not going to and explain it all out for you. Yeah. Maybe. And there were there were some nice setups there, and, and you know they had a variety of different um, kinds of episodes, and that it, it felt a little bit campy and a little bit monster of the week and a little bit you know overarching story. And I think that that's, I think that that was all really good. As and as long there's as you a don't... little bit of like buddy cop going on, yeah. and oh, very much some of yeah, Turner and Hooch happening there. Which is adorable. <laughs> and I I really I enjoyed the story all the way through a lot, not no spoilers. Yeah. But um the the thing that I thought was really interesting about it is that it, it, it kind of you know just it it scratches the itch of science fiction. Um it, it's enjoyable to watch. But you don't have to take it really seriously. And I think that that's... I've talked about this before on the show. You know, I I really don't want to be that kind of a fan anymore. So... Yeah. It's perfect for me. Because I can enjoy it and I can be excited about it. And when they come back with season two, I'm going to be like, Sweet! More Altered Carbon! I'm totally on board with this. What are they going to do? Crazy! And I'm not going to have to be like on the internets arguing about my little unicorn backpacks and um, the feasibility of, you know, the shunt technology. I don't have to do that. But you've got a whole bunch of uh, different shows like that right now that you can either latch onto or not. The Orville is the same way. Mm -hmm. I mean, you know, I love it. It's inconsistent. Who cares? I like it a lot. But it's- here's what I will give Altered Carbon over shows like that. Altered Carbon is the best of this like new age of television we've gone into that I love so much. Where it's basically TV shows that are really long movies. That are meant yeah. to be watched in like sections. Um, and for the first two or three episodes I would say of Altered Carbon, you have to pay attention to, there are little things where if you miss them you don't understand what's going on 
Mm-hmm. And so it's a show that makes you pay attention. And yeah. then you can kind of relax. In, and once you've relaxed into the world, it's not, you know, it's not taxing. But yeah, it definitely, it's complex enough that you have to watch what's going on. It definitely asks you to engage, but it doesn't expect you to be, you know, a knowledgeable person. You know, uh, I, it, gives reckon- you what, it gives you what you need to be comfortable with what they're building. Exactly, but you have to work for it. I've recommended it to a number of friends who are not, um, you know, big science fiction people, and I've gotten some positive responses from those people when they watch it. And and I think that that's also a part of where we are as a society. Like, the, the genre is reaching a broader appeal, and it's acceptable to do that, like it was in the, you know in this the original series type of way where of course you're going to watch this cool show about space or you know i don't even know cyberpunk robot people things like of course you're going to watch it because it's fun yeah it's a good it's a good story and it doesn't have it it's not you don't have to be a, a super fan in order to enjoy it Right. So you don't have to have you know, I, like all of the backstory mm-hmm. of fifty different types of yeah. Yeah. Oh, can I tell you how that had that that not having the backstory kind of exploded this week? Um, no, because I have one more thing to say about altered carbon, and it's oh, my okay. it's my one giant problem with it. There's only one? Okay. I only have one. Everything else, I am... I mean, I have some issues with it, including, like, the surprise penis moments um, (laughs) that show up a lot and I'm not okay with. But but I'm not angry about them. The one thing that I'm like, why? Is that he started out as an Asian guy and then they were like, yeah... But he's gonna be white while he's the main character. And I was like, you couldn't have swapped that. Cause the act um because both of the actors are really good. And I was like, give the Asian guy the chance to be the main character. And not just the past of the main character. Yeah, I don't know though. I don't know about that. No. Um, I, I how many uh, you're you're like three or four episodes in? Um, okay, if you haven't listened to our, if you haven't listened, if you haven't watched Altered Carbon yet, um, stop listening for a second. So I'm just at the part, like, the end of the last episode I watched, his sister showed up again. Right. And saved so, him in the cage fight. In the cage fight, yeah. Yeah. Um, there, I mean, the... They, there's definitely not equal screen time to his past self and his current self, um, but I don't really. I, Does it equal out a little bit, even? N- no, okay. but but it's. Um, I don't know. I, I I buy it as a as a thing. Like I don't I, I don't think that. It's it's so hard to say what is whitewashing and what is not, you know, especially with this kind of a thing where it's the same person in two different bodies. Yeah, right. I don't necessarily feel like it's whitewashing. I'm just kind of like, but I just want the Asian guy to be the main character. Also, I think he's cuter. Oh, yeah, like <laughs> he's definitely cuter. But I think that that's part of the. I, I think that as a as a design choice, if you can talk about people's faces as design choices, um, you know, one of the things that is true is when he was in his original body, which was not, well, I don't know if you've seen that part of it yet. I can't keep it all straight. Uh, <laughs> it's like, okay. Go for it. Like, when he goes back into his original body after time has passed and he's, you know, traveled all over the universe or, or, you know, splinter cast or whatever they call it. 
Um, and he finally goes back into his original body. It has it is different than it was when he left it, right? Yeah. Like by twenty years or something like that. I didn't um, know if he goes back to his original body, so. So so that is his original body. That the the um, Asian character is his original body, and and right. like, the, I think that when he is that person, when he is going through those experiences in that body. Oh, okay. Like when that, they do the flashbacks. Mm, that is supposed to be distinct and different from the person that he is when he wakes up 200 years later. Oh, yeah. <coughs> you know? Yeah. Like, and, and I, I kind, I don't want to be dismissive of the character, the, the, the Caucasian character that played, but he's a meat sack, right? Yeah. Like, Correct. He's a, he's a bruiser. He is, he is stereotypical GI Joe. That's a very good point, Java, and I hadn't thought of that. And 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 this is I don't close your. And ears. like the Asian Stumber. guy is the actual character. Right. Well, like and and it was he was naive and young and believed things and was drawn in by that belief and and, and he's you could the one who. You can see him as a character being open and accepting and changing himself. But when yeah. he's in the 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 contemporary character, the older, the like the two hundred year later character, he's not. He's jaded and 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 worn, and he is not open. Because and you don't, yeah, you don't really care about him much. At least where I am right now, um, like I care about everybody around him. But the only it's the only like reason Harry you care. Potter, where I'm like, I care about Harry Potter because his name's on the books, and therefore. If he dies, we don't have books anymore. But I don't actually care about Harry Potter. Right. I care about Hermione and Hagrid and well, and, and you care about the, the character inside of him. Right. But you don't really care about him and what he looks like because it's not the same. And I think that, that was a... Di- I, I feel like that was a distinct choice. It might not have been. Maybe I'm reading too much into it. Maybe I'm being fanboy now. Um, I don't know. But the, the, it, I, I feel like the face was chosen on purpose because it is stereotypical G.I. Joe man. Yeah, it's, um, it's the boring choice. Yeah, it is. Almost. Um, and, you know, the, the, the surrounding characters are not boring choices. Like, they're, they're not. They, they are very much who they are. And he is very much not who he is. And I think that 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 separation from those two parts of his life are, is really important as a, as a, a vector to understand the character. The one thing that I'm going to say, and, and this is, I want to say this, um, but you need to close your ears. Zumber. Okay. I'll cover okay. my ears. Go ahead. At the end of the series, he walks out the door of the hotel and he is not the same body that he was. That's very true. For the entire series. Like, it's very obvious that they are not going to bring back the same actor to play that person in the next season. If if they are even going to bring back the same character. Right. So, you know, that is, a, that is an interesting thing because it mimics the thing that the doctor does. Mm-hmm. You have a different character playing years. the same... Yeah. Right. You, get, you have a different actor playing the same character. And that is very interesting i mean there it's an it's a distinct choice and it's a distinct thing and i think it's i think it's going to be worth watching okay i i agree so i should probably type that her things okay <laughs> so, uh, so i was gonna i was gonna say can i come back yet yeah yes. you can okay You're safe. i was gonna say that one of the one of the things where uh you know if you don't if you're not locked into the entire backstory, you're not welcome in the next episode that kind of backfired this week was on and feel free to say this is still a thing, Walking Dead. What? <laughs> exactly. Where Walking Dead's mid-season premiere last Sunday was the lowest rated ever. I didn't know it was still going. <laughs> You see, here's my point. I honestly, I honestly stopped watching. Um, and literally, too. somebody walked past my desk today and went, "Did you see it?" And I went, "Yeah." 
And she went, yeah, I know. I feel the same way. A friend of mine is still, is a, is still a hanging in there like by her fingernails. And she said that it, that she liked it, but she can understand why it was not good. It was not good at all. That's too bad. It was kind of unfortunate because, uh, you know, they're, they're banking on this, this being AMC's big series. Uh, meanwhile, Better Call Saul and Comic Book Men are doing quite well. Uh, <laughs> and, uh, yeah, it was just, it was more complaints, uh, more people t- tuning out and, and uh, dropping off halfway through than they've ever seen before. And it kind of shows. You know when I so, stopped watching Walking Dead, and this says something to me? I stopped watching after one of my very favorite episodes they had. The flashback really? episode where it starts and I how's this I've even forgotten the character's name. Um but it's like a flashback to him in the car with his dad and they're driving along listening to the radio. Oh yeah. And they're in the suburban development and it keeps going back and forth between just him and his dad having this car ride and what's going on as they try to get through the suburban development and then he dies. And that was And then I was like that was a good end of this that was a good end of Walking Dead for me. That was a good end to the series. (laughs) That was the place that it was good to end it. And now I just it doesn't exist anymore for me. Yeah, well, it, you you and a whole lot of other people at this point, for sure. See, and I'm very lucky because in my world of The Walking Dead, Glenn never died. <laughs> <laughs> like, the only other good, the only thing that made me would have kept me watching that show didn't die. Oh, zombie Glenn. <laughs> did he come back as a zombie? That's no, even he never worse. did. Oh, he thank God! <laughs> I would have just like I would have been so mad at them. Oh, I know. Like, how do you ruin my Glenn like that? <laughs> so, the, so the the thing that I was going to mention, uh, we I actually I almost started talking about it before the show with Java was uh, Duncan Jones' new movie, Mute. Yeah, it it came up on my Netflix. Like you say, you should watch this. You might like it. I don't know anything about it. Um, Duncan Jones uh, is is uh, kind of an incredible director. He he takes a nice left turn on uh, uh, a kind of Blade Runner esque future, much like Altered Carbon. No, and and that's the weird thing. It is, and and yet it, it's got his. Duncan Jones puts his own very special spin on a movie, and his his newest one, Mute, is is the story of a, a mute in the and a rather uncompromising future, uh, trying to get along and trying to to survive, and it's it's a wonderfully weird story. Uh, it's it's a good story to tell, and it's told really, really uh, visually well. Uh, there's an awful lot of talking for somebody who's a mute, but it's not him talking. <laughs> uh, and uh, it's it's. I've watched it one and a half times. I I really want to watch it a second time all the way through, and I just haven't been able to yet. And uh, it's really something that I would recommend to somebody who, who enjoys things like Blade Runner was, which, depending on the version that you saw, I liked a lot. And the problem with Blade Runner is that there were five different versions of it. And some of them were very good. Some of them were very good. The very first one, I think, was probably the best. They shouldn't have screwed with it. They should have left it alone. Well, you know, stories. Yes. Speaking of stories, ours is pretty much done for the night. It is. Mm-hmm. 
Yes, I'm hey. Joe. Hey, Zombarian. What? Can you, can you have any idea who's going to be on the show for the next couple of weeks? I do. Outstanding. <laughs> on March 10th. Oh, my gosh. We're in March already. Um, Drew Hayes comes to talk about vampire accountants who will do your taxes. Except not taxes. Um, and then after that, on March 31st, Nicole. Uh, I wasn't told I was doing this early enough to look up puppies. <laughs> I apologize to Nicole in advance. She writes for Darby Pop's comic, Bruce Lee, and she's going to come talk to us about that. And that takes the end. You're not even going to try Jason Brodnick's name? No, because I'm going to oh. wait until we're closer to the time. I'm building the set. Okay. Well, Sci Fi Saturday Night is the official podcast of. Granite Con, Comic Con, Plastic City Comic Con, and ComicConHouse.com. You should visit ComicConHouse.com. There's some best deals on original art from dozens of authors. If you have a moment, take a good side by Saturday Night's first anthology. I've been doing family on it. It's coming about my camp and your family do the search for Our interview production was provided by Rob Watts. Outro music provided by Lawrence Maiden Pie. Your stuff on LawrenceMaidenPie.com. Thanks to the gang from the Peabody Center Journal. This is part of the network Rihanna. Thank you, ladies. And back from the rolling hills of grain, thanks for all the fish. Appreciation to Java. Yes. This is Dome saying, Terry and Jeannie, shared pain is lessened, shared joy increased. Thus do we all refute entropy. Enjoy the chaos, everyone. I know. <laughs>